Hi, I'm Ashley Smith Thomas, a millennial talking about freedom and national security for America. I'm the founder of Freedoms Fund USA, a nonprofit to protect freedom and national security. I am a speaker, advocate, and thought leader. I spent 2016 saving Christians targeted by ISIS in the Middle East. This was truly an eye-opening and life-changing experience as I watched and learned from my fellow Christians who longed for freedom. It was that experience that became the inspiration to start this show. In this show, come with me as I interview experts about key freedom issues in America and how we can protect freedom. Because if we lose our freedom, how can we bring freedom to the whole world? Let's take action together and let freedom ring. Welcome. My name is Ashley Smith-Thomas, and I am the host of Freedom Talks. The purpose of this show is to educate Americans on key freedom and national security issues so that we understand what is going on here in our nation. I like to bring on subject matter experts to discuss these key issues and then more importantly, give us a call to action so that we can make a difference and protect freedom. As you may know, we have been talking a lot about communism, these different communistic movements that we're seeing across the nation, but we've also been talking about China and China's influence in America. Last time we had Gordon Chang on to talk about China's influence in America, but particularly from the standpoint of defense. Is our military ready and prepared if we had to go to war with China? Is China operating on the dark side of the moon? Well, what if I were to tell you that China also has influence on Wall Street? And then that poses the question, how do we even get here? And why is this even happening right here in America? Well, today I have the honor of having another subject matter expert on this program to discuss China and national security issues. And let me tell you, he is truly an expert in national security. It is an honor to introduce to you Frank Gaffney. Frank Gaffney is the founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan educational corporation established in 1988. Mr. Gaffney's leadership has led the center to be nationally and internationally recognized as a resource for timely, informed, and penetrating analysis of foreign and defense policy matters. Mr. Gaffney is the host of Secure Freedom Radio, a nationally syndicated radio program heard weeknights throughout the country. He's the associate author of the highly acclaimed Sharia, The Threat to America, and the publisher of over a dozen other books and monographs for, from the Center for Security Policy Press. In April 1987, Mr. Gaffney was nominated by President Reagan to become the Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy. The senior position in the Defense Department with responsibility for policies involving the U.S. and USSR relations, nuclear forces, arms control, missile defense policy, and U.S.-European defense ties. He acted in that capacity for seven months, during which time he was the chairman of the prestigious high-level group, NATO's Senior Political Military Committee. He also represented the Secretary of Defense in key U.S.-Soviet negotiations and ministerial meetings. From August 1983 until November 1987, Mr. Gaffney was the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Nuclear Forces and Arms Control Policy under Assistant Secretary Richard Pearl. From 
February 1981 to August 1983, Mr. Gaffney was a professional staff member on the Senate Armed Services Committee, chaired by late Senator John Tower. And in the latter 1970s, Mr. Gaffney served as an aide to the late Senator Henry M. Scoop Jackson in the areas of defense and foreign policy. Mr. Gaffney holds a Master of Arts degree in International Studies from John Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies and a Bachelor of Science in Foreign Service from Georgetown University School of Foreign Service. Mr. Gaffney's leadership has been recognized by numerous organizations, including the Department of Defense Distinguished Public Service Award, the U.S. Business and Industry Council's Defender of the National Interest Award, the Council for National Policy's George Washington Military Leadership Award, and more. Mr. Gaffney, thank you so much for being on this program. I really appreciate you taking time to be here on Freedom Talks. Ashley, thank you, and thank you for reading through so much of that bio. It's uh, mostly very ancient history, but um, it's been very much informative in my thinking about the world, and I'm delighted to have a chance to share it with you. And I really want to thank you for making this platform available to people like Gordon, from whom I've learned an awful lot over the years, and others, to inform our countrymen and women about the challenges we're facing and why we must rise to them. So. Good Thank you. you so much. Thank you. And and I felt like I needed to read your bio so that our audience can understand just the depth of knowledge that you have and how you truly are an expert in this space because we see what is going on here in America. We see all kinds of threats towards our national security. I mean, everything that happened from Afghanistan, you see Russia, you see China, Iran, North Korea. Uh, but something that has been really coming to the surface more and more has been the influence of the CCP in America. Can you explain to us your concern with the CCP and the influence that they're having here on our nation? Well, uh, we will probably uh, use all of the time and then some to do that justice, but uh, the shortest of short forms of it is this. Um, and, and you speak of my expertise. Uh, it's, it's mostly corporate memory um, from the fights, the struggles, um, both the domestic internal policy issues and, and the very, very significant challenges, fortunately not kinetic ones, but uh, the very difficult uh, circumstances we found ourselves in during the Cold War against the last totalitarian communist regime that sought the destruction of this country. That was, of course, the Soviet Union. Today, we face, under the Chinese Communist Party, a vastly more dangerous adversary than the Soviets were in their heyday. And that's because the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, has assiduously worked over the past several decades to obtain the capabilities to wage what the CCP's own strategists and military personnel call unrestricted warfare against our country. And by unrestricted warfare, they mean virtually everything you can think of, again, to this point, fortunately, short of actual physical, violent, kinetic warfare, but economic warfare information warfare, political warfare, and not least preparations for the old-fashioned kind, the military kind 
are all part of the playbook of the Chinese Communist Party. <clears throat> and in that political warfare space, especially, but also to some extent in the others, what we've seen, as you suggested in your question, is the rising aggressiveness of the CCP in using subversion, the penetration of our country, our government, our business sector, our media, our academic centers, our culture, by people who are either paid agents of the Chinese Communist Party, businesses controlled by it, uh, or in some cases, uh, perhaps well-intentioned, but um, what <laughs> Vladimir Lenin famously called the useful idiots mm -hmm. who are serving as influencers on behalf of the CCP in advancing their agenda. So to be clear, their agenda, as it was for the Soviets before them, is the destruction of our country. They make frankly, no bones about it. In fact, in May of 2019, as Gordon may have mentioned to you, the Chinese Communist Party's People's Daily, the chief propaganda mouthpiece of the party, announced that there was a people's war then underway against the United States. It is a war for the domination of the planet, and we happen to be in their way. So we have to be taken down and using all of these techniques, including those internal subversive ones, is part of the unrestricted warfare that's hard at work right now. I'm glad that you brought that up in terms of how their warfare and their, their engagement doesn't necessarily mean kinetic, but how they're doing it through information and the economy and using our media. Earlier this year, the New York Times had reported that the annual intelligence brief showed that China was a threat to our national security, not from a military standpoint, from, but, quote, intensify intelligence operations, cyber attacks, and global drives for influence. Are you concerned about China's capability, particularly with the cyber attacks, and the fact that they now are, because they're so infiltrated in the different facets of our society, are you concerned for America's national security? And do you think that China truly has the cyber attack capabilities? Well, as I said earlier, I think the Chinese are leaving no stone unturned in terms of their pursuit of means by which to uh, diminish our capabilities and ultimately destroy this country. Cyber techniques are certainly one of the ways in which they envision doing that and are preparing for that purpose. There are vast numbers of people working for the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, I don't remember the best estimates and I'm not sure how accurate they are, but 300,000 comes to mind. Individuals who are actively working on cyber attack techniques capabilities, strategies, and to some extent on a daily basis, actually utilizing them for the purpose of undermining our country and uh, ultimately setting it up for decisive defeat. So yes, that's a very real concern. I think uh, we are often 
consoled by the fact that we have the best cyber capabilities in this country uh, in the entire world. I hope that's so, uh, but I'm not sure that it is a permanent state of affairs by any means when you have that kind of level of effort being mounted. And bear in mind that the vast majority of the people involved in that program, I think, um, either are themselves directly the beneficiaries of American educations and training in cyber or related fields, or at least have been trained by those who have been the direct beneficiaries. So you have a, a very, very sizable, to say the least, threat in that vector. But uh, unfortunately, again, it's not the only one we have to worry about. It is one that we need to be very, very attentive to and, and trying to counter, however. Are you concerned from the standpoint, I mean, we see right now that America is vulnerable. One, we've got our open borders that is going on. We saw the debacle that happened in Afghanistan. We have rising inflation, cargo ships just sitting out off the coastlines. We have this the supply chain shortage. So everything that's going on, does China have a role in this economic situation that we're in and how would they impact us economically? Well, it's a great question. And again, it's uh, going to take more time than we have to do justice to in an answer. But um, the key piece of this is the Chinese Communist Party back in the early 1990s under a general secretary by the name of Deng Xiaoping adopted a strategy that came to be called the hide and bide strategy. What was meant by that was Deng Xiaoping believed that the United States had won the last Cold War and that there was a new one then beginning, having, having uh, defeated, as we did, the Soviet Union, thanks to my old boss, Ronald Reagan, principally. A new Cold War was underway between the United States and China. And he said, we are going to learn from the experiences of the Soviets specifically about the importance of being deeply engaged with the Americans, commercially, uh, in you know, financial terms, uh, in terms of business operations uh, here and in China, and on and on. Because they learned from the Soviet experience that the Soviet Union had never achieved that level of penetration and therefore was susceptible to Reagan's strategy, which was basically to cut off the Soviets' cash flow, which he did with a very concerted strategy. The Chinese have made that much more difficult, and they did it because uh, they've made it difficult because for decades they concealed more or less their true intentions. They professed, and many of their, as I say, fellow travelers or enablers or business partners here, uh, financiers, politicians, as you mentioned, have held forth that, well, if we just help them become richer, they would inevitably become more like us. If not a full-on democracy, they would certainly be, you know, uh, a competitor 
in a benign sense. The hiding part of that strategy was hugely successful. The biding was as well. They patiently built up over time these inroads. They hollowed out our industrial base. In some cases, they literally bought and took lock, stock, and barrel entire factories from what is now called the Rust Belt in the United States and rebuilt them in China and used them to sell to us stuff we previously had been selling to them. Devastating our economy, costing millions and millions of Americans their jobs and creating basically, do you come to your specific question, the kinds of supply chain dependencies that are now clearly afflicting us. And, and it's not just in terms of toys or even computers and other stuff that we've come to buy reflexively from China because it's basically the only supplier now. Sometimes it's got an American face on it like Apple, but you know their stuff is manufactured in China and sold to us from China. If something happens to the supply chain for Apple, it affects us, but it's um, a function of our dependency on China. But it's also things like medicine. You know, as we've seen in this COVID uh, pandemic, which of course was unleashed on us by the Chinese Communist Party, we've been reliant even for them on them for things like personal protective equipment mm -hmm. to say nothing of you know uh, the makings of virtually all of our medicines including a lot of the generics these are the sorts of dependencies and and then you've got rare earth minerals you've got flat screens you've got other advanced technology now that if we don't get it from china uh, or perhaps a place like Taiwan, which China is intent on making part of China, for example, in the case of silicon, advanced silicon chips, um, we're out of luck and, and out of business as well. Which, that's really good. And I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, speaking of those corporations, we hear that corporations are su supporting China by moving their production from the U.S. to China. And then we also hear of corporations aligning with China over the U.S. And we can see that in particular in the sports, entertainment, and tech industry. Uh, so especially with the NBA, you know, the whole debacle that had happened last year, especially when uh, you had the Houston Rockets coach show support for Hong Kong. And then how that just kind of basically, I feel like, exposed MBA's attachment and alignment with China uh, just due to the backlash. But all these industry and the sports, entertainment, the tech that we're seeing that's involved in China and with China, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And should we be concerned? Well, I think we've tested the proposition pretty thoroughly that it's a good thing. And it doesn't seem to have worked out so well. I mean, if you look at basically all of the companies that have been doing business with China, whether they acknowledge it or not, it hasn't really worked out terribly well. Um, they invariably find themselves having to sell their seed corn technology to the Chinese. And in short order, generally, 
the Chinese are competing with them to manufacture, at least for their domestic market, which is the principal attraction, you know, for these companies. Well, you know, there's 1.4 billion people. If I'm going to sell each of them a toothbrush, I'm going to make, you know, fabulous money. Well, once the Chinese have figured out how to make not just toothbrushes, but basically everything else they want, they not only sell it to us, but they close their markets to their American competitors. And that inevitably translates into not so good outcomes for this country, needless to say. But when you add on top of it, Ashley, the, the theft of technologies, it's one thing if the companies are willingly selling you uh, something uh, in the case of China, uh, whether it's airplanes or whether it's uh, you know advanced uh, chips or other technologies of interest to them. It's another, they actually just simply rip them off from you as they have done with a succession, I'm sure Gordon talked about this, of our most advanced weapon systems. Right. You look at their arsenal and it looks an awful lot like ours, only they didn't have to go through most of the expensive, time-consuming, painstaking, trial and error fraught research and development because we did it for them at enormous expense to the American taxpayer. They simply came in, hoovered up the designs and the materials and the other supporting technology and generally speaking, got some of this gear faster than we did. Mm -hmm. We're certainly in short order and, and at vastly less cost and effort. So those are the sorts of things that translate into real harm to our national security. And, you know, you can go on and on in, in the, the one place that I really want to make sure we cover before we have to part is when you look at all of this stuff, you look at the hollowing out of our industrial base and the economic warfare more generally that the Chinese have waged against us. You look at their influence operations in this country, the penetration of the various sectors that we were just talking about. We haven't gotten to this, but just putting it on the table, you look at what Xi Jinping, the dictator of China, calls the Belt and Road Initiative, whereby the Chinese are building infrastructure literally worldwide of all kinds, uh, ports, airfields, rail networks, road networks, mm -hmm. you know, mines for uh, expropriating all kinds of um, natural resources, on and on, almost always using something called a debt trap financing scheme. Uh, think of it as a payday loan operation whereby you lend somebody the money to build the whatever port and you use onerous interest rates to assure that sooner or later that country will not be able to pay the debt. And then you simply go in and you expropriate mm -hmm. those resources or those assets. And what does that mean? It means that in most cases, since these assets, or certainly the resources, 
are dual use. That is to say, they can be used for civilian purposes, they can be used for military purposes. You suddenly see that the Chinese have created a colonial hegemonic empire Mm -hmm. with which to project power. And there's a report out as we speak about um, suddenly the world realizing that on in the East African nation of um, uh, Guinea, I can't remember the, the equatorial Guinea, um, Guyana, excuse me, equatorial Guyana, they have just such an arrangement where they're putting in place a port that is expected now to become a new naval base mm. for the Chinese on the African continent, on the um, East coast of that continent. I'm sorry to report that there's one of those a building in Peru as well, a megaport, they call it, that will be capable not only of accommodating the biggest ships in the commercial you know, fleets, but also carrier strike groups of the People's Liberation Army Navy. These are the sorts of things that are taking place. And I just wanted to bring this back to the central proposition. How are they paying for all this stuff? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even get to, you know, their efforts to dominate space or their, you know, uh, work in, uh, you know, some of these advanced uh, technologies like artificial intelligence, quantum computing, the cutting edge stuff that will determine the future dominance of China if they have their way in terms of technology and and business. The answer to the question, how are they doing all these things? How are they paying to do all of these things? Is they're getting the money from us? from American investors who, by some estimates, have transferred, thanks to, as you said earlier, China's old friends, as they somewhat contemptuously call them, on Wall Street, to transfer something between three to seven trillion dollars of wealth from Americans to Chinese corporations, which is how they have paid for most of the malevolent things that they are doing at the moment. And it's madness. I think it's unprecedented in the history of the world that <clears throat> any power that is threatened, I mean, literally, its existence is threatened by another power, has actually voluntarily made that threat more real, more powerful, and more inexorable. But that's precisely what we're doing. And so we've launched a campaign with uh, our Committee on the Present Danger of China uh, very recently, in which we have called attention to the fact that this is going on. Uh, we did a webinar on the subject, a two-hour webinar. People can find it at presentdangerchina.org or at a new campaign website. We call it the Mad as Hell campaign. You can find it at mattishealthcampaign.org. It's meant to be stimulating in people who discover to their horror that their money is being used to abuse human rights, for example, in China or China's 
you know, po- proxies and uh, satellites uh, to pose, you know, these threats to our businesses and our academic institutions and so on, to pose threats to the rest of us, of the old-fashioned kind, as I say, the military kind. Those are things that will make people mad as hell once they find out about it. And the next step, to quote this old movie line, is not to take it anymore. Mm -hmm. To actually stand up and say, we're not going to allow our money, our investment dollars, to be used to support and enable and uh, thereby make even more dangerous the Chinese Communist Party. That's so good. And, you know, as you brought up earlier about the intellectual property and the theft and all that, and even now China and our dollars going to help China further their expansionism effort, why are we not seeing politicians on Capitol Hill and our leaders in the government and even in the White House holding China accountable? It just seems like China can continue to do what they do, but no one's holding them accountable. Why is that? Why are we not seeing that? Well, there are probably different reasons for different people, but to generalize, uh, I think it's fair to say that when you talk about old friends of China, and those include most of the major capitalists uh, in the Wall Street uh, sector of our economy, and an awful lot of other uh, businesses and, uh, and their leaders, you realize that there is a powerful incentive on the one hand to keep doing business with China, to to look the other way rather than confront the ugly reality that you have been contributing to. And you'll be paid handsomely for doing so. And this is the point. I'm not sure. I've, I've had people tell me that if you look at the value of investments that were made 30 years ago in China, you might see a 2% per annum return on investment, which is pretty modest. I don't know if that's exactly right or not, but I have the feeling that the general point is that the principal beneficiaries of all of this investment we've been making in the Chinese Communist Party and its corporations has not been for the investor here in the United States. It's been the money managers who are making fortunes on their commissions mm-hmm. in doing the deals, the transactions, the you know investments in China. And so those folks are powerful, needless to say, in the economic realm. They're also very powerful on Wall Street. And we actually had a top Chinese influencer say, shortly after the election last year, that China's old friends on Wall Street have delivered the goods for China again and again and again. He said they they weren't so effective during the Trump years, interestingly, but they basically have been very, very helpful to China for most of the previous decades. And I would argue they're certainly being very helpful to them right now, to the point where the Chinese have actually said just in the past couple of weeks, both to the Wall Street guys and to businesses of other kinds that are in the China market, you will speak favorably about, you will attest 
two, you will spout in other ways the party line of China or else you will be punished. So all of that is in the mix. And then you come to the people who represent us nominally, but who actually rely very heavily on most of those other folks, these business leaders, the financiers, and so on, for the campaign contributions that keep them in Congress. Or in some cases, I think it's fair to say, uh, to simply enrich themselves, uh, not just for campaign purposes, but for their personal bottom line. And you look at some of the people who've been in Congress uh, for decades, whether it's Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, or, you know, the, the vice president of the United States, now president of the United States, who've become multi, multi, multi millionaires. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Well, we know from Hunter Biden's laptop that the Chinese gave Hunter and the big guy $1.5 billion to invest. And the interesting thing about that, Ashley, is that payment was made, or investment, if you will, was made shortly after, this was November of 2019, uh, uh, excuse me, 2013, shortly after the Chinese Communist Party got a memorandum of understanding arranged by Joe Biden, then Vice President of the United States, to grant them not only access to our capital markets, but access on preferential terms. They've not had to submit to the same sort of accounting procedures that were designed to protect American investors in American companies. So not only did they get a competitive advantage from it, but they basically flouted our laws thanks to a memorandum of understanding that Joe Biden gave them. I've had friends of mine say, well, you know, I've seen bribes in the past. 1.5 billion is not a bribe, that's a commission Mm -hmm. on a multi-trillion dollar set of transactions. Sounds right to me. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it's just unfortunate that we have politicians and leaders in our government who's basically willing to sell out America just to make a commission and pad their pockets in the process. And it's just really unfortunate because then I question, well, where's the true honor in public service? And where is the integrity? And, you know, it just seems like we're seeing that just fly out the window when it comes to actually serving our country where people are now doing it for their own motive and gain versus really having the honor and the enthusiasm and wanting to serve our country. So it's just really disappointing, but I have so many more It's very well said. And I, I, if I may just very quickly say there are exceptions. Mm -hmm. There are people who honestly are patriots and are doing the right thing and are not willing to take money from the Mm -hmm. Chinese communist party, but there are many who are. And, and to answer your question, I think it falls to us to hold them accountable. Yes. And that's where programs like this are so important. You're helping to educate people so they even know there's a problem, let alone have the wherewithal to do something about it. That's so good. And, and as we wrap up here, I want to ask you, what is a call to action so that the viewers who are watching can go and make a difference and feel like that they're taking action to stop China's influence in America. 
Well, China's influence in America is a function of China's resources. And I think the single most important thing we can do as a nation, as a people, is to stop providing them with the resources from American investors. So I would have as a call to action, urging all of your listeners to go to madashellcampaign.org. You'll find there are webinar about this issue, uh, two hours long. It's not so onerous. Each of the many contributions we had was only five minutes. So you can work your way through it at your will. But the point is, there is a letter there that we encourage you to sign to President Biden, calling on him to do two things. One, to withdraw from that memorandum of understanding that we were just talking about, the one that gave the Chinese preferential access to our capital markets, and that. They should not have that access. They should not be in our capital markets at all, quite frankly. And secondly, to do something that could be really powerfully reinforcing of that first point, and that is to designate the Chinese Communist Party as what it is, which is a transnational criminal organization. Mm -hmm. And the virtue of that, Ashley, is if you do that, then every single one of those businesses on Wall Street or elsewhere in the United States that is thinking about doing business with the Chinese Communist Party is going to find itself running the risk of being identified and perhaps prosecuted as an entity that is an accomplice to the criminal activity of the Chinese Communist Party. So those two things, stopping their access and stopping people who want to help them for whatever reason from doing so, I think are the two most important calls to action that I could offer you. And I hope people will check out Mad As Hell Campaign. Org, I like purpose. that. Madishellcampaign.org. Madishell Perfect. Yeah. That sounds... Uh, also, There's a lot more information there. We're, okay. we're really building out the other site, but it's a, it's a starting point. Perfect. Sounds great. Well, Mr. Gaffney, thank you so much for being on Freedom Talks today and sharing with us such wisdom, insight, and information regarding China. I have a lot more questions to ask you, but I look forward to having you back and just Love. glean even more of your of your wisdom. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Ashley. And thanks again to your audience for taking this information aboard and acting Thank on you. it. Thank you so much. And as we close here, I want to thank Vibrant Health MD for making this episode possible. Vibrant Health MD is a health and wellness practice based in Plano, Texas. They help you discover a healthy life so you can live your best life. For more information, visit VibrantHealthMD.com. That's VibrantHealthMD.com. And as I close, I just want, again, to thank Mr. Gaffney for sharing such wisdom and insight regarding, to, regarding China and the influence of the CCP and concerns that we all should have, particularly from the economic standpoint, and more importantly, what we can do to take action. So visit MadAsHellCampaign.org to read the letter, to sign uh, the, the letter to President Biden so that you can make a difference. But also, it's time that we just start calling the CCP for what it is. And that's one thing that I appreciate that Mr. Gaffney and shared that it's a transnational organized uh, uh, 
group, group crime, crime group. So uh, th- thank you. And so that is something that we do need to address. But also, I just want to encourage you, your friends, your family, to go educate yourself on the CCP. Go educate yourself on what China is doing. Research, ask questions, look around, see what is going on. Only then, when we become informed, are we then more inclined and well able to protect freedom. So... Together, I truly believe that America's best days are ahead of her because we are doing our part to educate ourselves and make a difference. But more importantly, together, we will stand for righteousness, speak truth, and protect freedom. Thank you, and God bless.